Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about things that take you out of a book and how to get back in it. And we're interviewing author Sylvan Nouvelle. But first, what are you reading, Bria? So, you know, I just went on this long-ass road trip. <laughs> I went from ta- <laughs> California to Dallas and back. Um, and but on- you love being a woman on a journey on a road. I'm truly the the heroine of my own journey. Um, but I listened to a book on the way back that uh, people have recommended on the show. Although... <laughs> I have questions because I may have listened to the wrong book. But the one I listened to was great. I looked it up and I was like, 16 hours? That seems like a good idea for a 20-something hour road trip. Was this Um, like you reading two versions of neighbor sex or (laughs) being neighborly? (laughs) Maybe. The book is The Seven or Eight Deaths of Stella Fortuna uh, by Juliet Grames. Um, Did it just come out? No, no, no. And the author is Lisa Flanagan. It came out in 2019. There's oh, right. another book with some kind of deaths, the seven deaths. Somebody needs to start to put a moratorium on books with a insert number here, deaths of insert woman's name here. Actually, you know what the other one is? Is something? It's the husbands. It's the husbands. The seven husbands it's of the Eleven. seven and a half deaths of someone. No, it's thing, the seven husbands. Something. The seven husbands yeah. of Evelyn Hugo. This is the seven or eight deaths of Stella Fortuna, and it was. Fucking great. It was so <laughs> good. I started listening to it and then and I didn't want to listen to anything else. So I just listened to the whole thing like straight through. I didn't even like, I occasionally put on some music or something, but I thought I'd listen to a bunch of podcasts, but no. I, instead, I just listened to this life of Stella Fortuna because um, I had to know. Basically, um, she had a very rot life, a very difficult life, as you can imagine. It's written from the point of view of her granddaughter who's telling the story of uh, uh, Stella, uh, who grew up in this very small Italian village. Um, And it's all about, like, the number of times... It's kind of divided into the number of times she almost died. Like, there was, like, a a cooking eggplant accident and a pig accident. But then there's also, like... Uh, one where she like they sound like very Italian ways yeah, to yeah, die yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no a pepperoni accident like oh no too much spaghetti accident but like as she almost died <laughs> I, I choked on a pepperoncini uh, <laughs> uh, but as she almost dies she gets tougher and tougher and her life is tough this is not an easy life she is living um, and she has this a uh, horrible, abusive father, and I, uh, and eventually they immigrate to America, and like it's a, it's during uh, uh, right during it's in the nineteen forties, I believe, when they immigrate to America. So you can imagine it's a tough time to be an immigrant. Um, it is fantastic. I loved it. Uh, you really get into the head of Stella and like her life choices, but also. Um, She's just a tough lady. She never wanted to get married. She uh, didn't really like, she just wanted to be left alone her whole life. And then she keeps almost dying. Um, And it's just really, (laughs) a a really great, well done literary fiction book. Uh, I don't know who recommended it. I think multiple people on the show have recommended it. And I just can't say enough good things about it. It's so good. I loved it. Uh, What are you reading, Mallory? So I am reading, I don't want to call it a fluffy book, but it's definitely like a nice lighter book um, if folks are looking for, you know, there's, we've gone through some heavy things already this year in 2021. Uh, it is, the, it's called The Secret Women by Sheila Williams and it's adorable. So it's these three women and they all meet in this yoga class one day. Um, 
and they're all like kind of bonding over how they're like rolling their eyes at the yoga class and they become friends and they find out that the thing that they all have in common is their mother has just passed away. And what they start doing is like once a month they meet up for margaritas and like talking and like kind of getting over, um, over this, 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 this like loss, but also at the same time, they're go, they're each individually going through their mother's things and kind of realizing that their moms had secrets and like secret parts of their life. And it's, it's really interesting to see that these three women are like really bonding and also kind of looking at their mother's lives and, and looking at their mom, like now that they're older, looking at their mom's lives in a completely different light Mm -hmm. now that like they're going through some of the same things that their moms went through and realizing that if their moms had each just had each other, like had, like had a a close group of women, they would have been able to uh, deal with things better, get through different things. It's just really nice. It's, it's really a good light. It sounds weird me saying, oh, this book about mother, mothers dying is, is a light read, but it's dealt with in a way that isn't super heavy or sad. And also like they're have they're oh, all like doing it over margaritas together. It's just, it's just really cute and nice yeah. and I'm enjoying it. Uh, so that's The Secret Women by Sheila Williams. And mine is The Se- Seven or Eight Deaths of Stella Fortuna by Juliet Grames. Uh, and uh, the one I listened to was read by Lisa Flanagan. She was great. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, and before I read the, these, I just want to say right now, one, thank you to everyone. So many people wrote in for with Bible fiction wrecks that there's no possible way I could uh, respond to all of them. But I really, I read all of them. I uh, am very grateful. Some people recommended great, like, um, books like Lamb by Christopher Moore, which is a, I love uh, like that a, book. Great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a bunch of other people wrote in with like different versions of the Bible that are easier to read. Someone wrote in and uh, told me about uh, the, a graphic novel version of the Bible, which is amazing. Uh, and also another group of um, listener recommendations we'll never be able to get to, but I wanted to talk, to talk about on the show is after we talked about how we feel about five star and three star oh, and yeah. four star <laughs> reviews, we got um, immediately the, 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 hour that the podcast dropped we had people writing in either saying oh my god my skin crawls thinking about giving a book three stars or saying what's wrong with three stars three stars is totally fine it means that i liked it and it just has the listener feedback is still coming in about it and it does not fail to make me laugh every time because it's it's so so polarizing (laughs) so many people are like yes three stars are totally fine so many other people are like no never three stars so very interesting to me that's super funny i wonder i know like sometimes people will tag me in reviews and they've given something i've done three stars and i'm like why would you tag me in this like obviously you didn't like it like do you want me to know you didn't like it but now i'm gonna try to view that in a different light i think you know yeah, although, yeah, I I never re- read any of my reviews ever. I learned my lesson after one time I got, ta- like, I never read anything. This is a tangent, but I, like, I just never ever read. I don't even, I didn't even read the review that I got in the New York Times, like, for Lady from the Black Lagoon. I read nothing, but one time somebody tagged me on something and I was like, Ah, fine. I'll just look at. It was a YouTube video, and the first thing was she. She was talking about how much, how badly I did. I recorded the audio book, and I was like, <laughs> okay, never mind. Um, but now, uh, if if I if if any if anything like that ever crosses my path, I will try to think about it a little differently. Um, 
But then Allison wrote in about Amish romances because we uh, had someone who had that in their wheelhouse. And Allison says, yes, Amish romances are a huge thing. I work in a public library and these series are pretty popular. But I know that there are other communities where they're even more in demand. Amish romance is, of course, a subsection of Christian romance, which is very popular in my library and something I did not know. Um, Sometimes you'll get a request for very specific genres like Christian fiction that takes place in America in the 1700s. And maybe you have to fill that request only in large print or CD audiobook format due to accessibility issues. It can be hard to keep up with the demand sometimes, but luckily there are a ton of authors out there writing these books. Wanda E. Brunsetter and Beverly Lewis are particularly well known for their Amish series. And yes, my library still circulates a relatively large number of audiobooks on CD. And part of my job is deciding which ones to purchase. I also do the purchasing for adult fiction and it is the absolute best part of my job. I am so curious about Amish romances. I, I think I kind of have to read one now. I would love it. I would love the feedback. We'll do it. We could we'll, We could talk about it. I would love to hear about it. By the way, this is so funny because, you know, I just went on this road trip and my brother offered me some audiobooks on CD. And I was like, how do you own those? Like, I, why do you own these? I was like, I don't want this. But it was just so weird, like, that I guess that obviously people still use them. A lot of truckers use them. Uh, mm. If you go to like um, a like a rest stop in the, like the middle of the country, they'll because a lot of rest uh, you'll like see sure. a rack of audiobooks on CD. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so Gabby wrote in about ghostwriters. I was listening to the episode on ghostwriters and the Christmas gift guide, and wanted to, oh, this is about our celebrity memoir one, uh, and wanted to share my thoughts on how to best credit a ghostwriter. I consider myself a ghostwriter because I write short memoirs of for other people in their voice in first person. However, I do get credit on the copyright page, which seems like a win-win for everyone. Their name appears on the cover as it's their story, and I get credit, though no ownership, for the effort I spent interviewing, uncovering, and writing the story. I should mention this is through a company called Story Terrace and marketed towards everyday people who want to capture and publish their story, and not everyone goes on to sell the book. It's definitely a big gift, but maybe something some glassers might be interested in. Everyone has a story to tell. Here's the link if you want to check it out, which we'll put in our show notes and the link to um, Gabby Gabby's uh, page as well. Um, that's very cool. That's super that's, cool. I think that'd be a really interesting gift to get like an older family member, you know? Yeah, it's a bit who's like, like always telling interesting stories and, yeah, you know, might want to pass those on, but don't. They don't, they don't, they aren't able or don't want to like sit down and write a whole fucking book. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like StoryWorth. I have a follow up on the celebrity memoir podcast, celebrity book club pod- podcast that we had um, Chelsea on from. Uh, uh, she actually had a ghostwriter on um, an episode on the Sheila E episode. So it wasn't the ghostwriter of the Sheila E book, but it was a woman who does ghostwrite. And it was fascinating because she talked about ghostwriting and she talked about the interviews she does. We should have her on our show because it was just so cool to hear her talk about ghostwriting for celebrities and how they're like, here's some crazy stories. You can't put them in the book. (laughs) Like they (laughs) tell her stories and then she's like, awesome. And they're like, don't put that in the book. Um, So that that was really interesting. So I I guess being a celebrity ghostwriter is the number one job to do if you love gossip. Yeah, totally. But you 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 can also keep, keep a secret. (laughs) And then Skylar wrote in with a wheelhouse that is women murderers, Mm -hmm. not people who murder women, women who do the murdering. Got it. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, YA rom-coms that don't feature miscommunication as a major plot point. Uh, Fiction about people who have absurd amounts of money (laughs) in adult dystopia that isn't quite sci-fi but borders on it. Yeah, total same. Um, Quick bookmark for me. If you are in... 
America. Um, <laughs> you can watch my movie, 12 Hour Shift. It goes to Hulu, I think, like, this week. It goes to Hulu uh, first Yay. week of February. So if you haven't paid for it to watch it and you're waiting to watch it for free and you have a subscription to Hulu, I think you have to have a subscription, you can watch it now for free. Um, and I would encourage you to do that because it helps me. If you've already watched it, just put it on in the background and let it play through a few times. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> and if you're in the UK, you can also get it now, I think, on SVOD, meaning you can like pay for it on uh, various services or you can get it on uh, DVD Blu-ray as well. And we've had so many glassers write in to tell us how much they love 12-hour shift. So don't take our, for, our word for it. Take your fellow glasses, glassers word for it. Uh, I also have a bookmark. Uh, this is the week that my book, uh, Lady from the Black Lagoon, comes out in the UK. So if you're a UK listener, uh, you can buy Lady from the Black Lagoon uh, at your local bookstore from bookshop.org in the UK. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to finally have this book out in the UK. And thank you. I, uh, I've seen some folks who've already pre-ordered it over there, and I really, really appreciate it. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about things that take us out of a book, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, it's Sean here, and I'm reading Both Flesh and Not, um, which is a collection of essays by David Foster Wallace and has only served to um, solidify the fact that I much prefer his essays to his uh, narrative works. Bria, what is your favorite part about your cats? Oh, probably their cute faces. (laughs) (laughs) But what's your least favorite part about your cats? That's easy to answer. My least favorite part is definitely... uh, uh, cleaning out the litter box. Well, it's great that Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by P- Kitty Poo Club. We love you Kitty w- Poo Club. Yes, Kitty Poo Club is the litter box solution for you. It is an all-in-one litter box solution designed to be convenient. Every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. And when the month is up, you just recycle the box and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. You don't have to change use litter. You don't have to clean the box. It is genius. It is completely fantastic. They have a cute little video. And when you get your box, you can watch this little video so you can go, oh, this is all I have to do. You just put the litter in the box and the box is sealed. Even though it is it is um, a recyclable box, it's sealed. So you don't have to worry about pee or anything leaking through the bottom. Yes, and I, I will attest to this. Both Taylor and Lula used the box at the same time. Like not at the same time in <laughs> the very, like they were peeing in, in tandem, but they were both using it during the, um, every time we've we've used Kitty Poo Club and uh, it's never leaked. It was on top of the carpet in my living room. It has never leaked. I feel like Kitty Poo Club looked at a list of all the things that suck about litter boxes and they solved them all. You don't have to go out and buy and like carry a 40 pound bag of litter up to your house. You don't have to scrub out the box every few months. You don't have to scoop out the litter. It is really, really great at odor control. Like all the things that are annoying about litter boxes, Kitty Poo Club has solved for you. So give yourself the gift that keeps on giving the whole year a Kitty Poo Club subscription. Right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up AutoShip by going to Kitty Poo Club dot com and entering promo glasses. 
Yeah, so that means you'll sign up for Kitty Poo Club. Every month they'll deliver you your your box. You can pick what kind of litter that you want. I used the um, the or the all natural soy litter, and it was amazing. So good at odor control and. That means that you never have to worry about buying litter ever again. You never have to remember it. You never have to go, oh, God, I've scooped the box and now there's barely anything in there. And now I have to rush over to go get some litter from the store and carry this giant bag. It just comes right to your door. It's incredible. So you go to kittypooclub.com and enter promo code GLASSES to get 20% off when you set up auto ship. That's kittypooclub.com. And don't forget to enter promo code GLASSES at checkout. GLASSES. GLASSES. Hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, He's coming back. Or do you mean the fact (laughs) that Apple Podcasts has named Fanti one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, (laughs) (laughs) Travel Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things we're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we Fanti. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. This week, we all have that one thing. We're not talking about an author being racist or something. We're referring to that thing you're really knowledgeable or nerdy about that an author gets wrong and you get completely taken out of a book. What do you do when this happens? And is it possible to ignore it and get back in? First off, it's always okay to dump a book if you want to. There is no shame in getting knocked out of a book and being unable to get back into it. It's okay. You are not being too picky or ridiculous. It's fine. But that being said, Bria, what kind of things will knock you out of a book? I mean, mine is probably pretty obvious. It's usually film industry stuff, uh, like the audition process or filmmaking, which is so weird because honestly, like every movie is its own special little snowflake. And so every every <laughs> process is different. And I'm always surprised like when people are like, this is a total sidebar, but when people are like, how did you get your first movie financed that I made like seven years ago? And I'm like, oh, totally easy. You... Get on a really successful TV show after <laughs> many years of auditioning. You make friends. Uh, you, know, you go and do an indie movie that never comes out. You make friends with those financiers, and that's how I got it financed. I mean, like, so it's just like every process is obviously very different. That being said, um, it takes me out of it. If someone, if it feels so foreign to me that I'm like, I don't know, this is what I do for a living, which is probably why I don't read that many books about filmmakers when that is like the premise and it's a fiction book but it's also why I loved Plain Bad Heroines because I feel like like that book really got it right in a lot of ways and there are parts of it that I'm like oh I've never been in this experience but I could see how this would work but there's so many things that I was like that is what it's like being on a set where you like are like oh I heard there was a yellow jacket attack over in the uh, grip truck or whatever. And you're like, interesting. <laughs> you know, like that is what it's like. Yeah. So I felt like that one did a really good job. Uh, wh- what stuff knocks you out of a book? Uh, yeah, I think everyone is really nerdy about one or maybe a few things enough to spot errors in a book. Uh, mine are definitely animal science stuff. Um, like it always bothers me. I can always tell if like there's a scene with like somebody's pet or like a wild animal. And I'm just like, 
an animal would not do that. Are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> it's actually something that really drives me nuts about a lot of wolf things. Um, like I hate the movie, the gray, like most people don't realize, like it takes like basically a wolf has to have rabies to attack you. Mm. It's so wolf attacks. It, more people are killed every, um, every more people and animals are attacked in in America every year by vultures than they are by wolves. <laughs> like, so it gets, re- it drives me really, yeah. really nuts when it's just like a pack of wolves attacking a person like that never happens. Um, filmmaking stuff just like you, um, and now booze knowledge because I am like a walking external hard drive of booze knowledge because of girly drinks. And I get it. Being an author is wicked hard. Trust me. I know that research is very fucking difficult, but sometimes I'm just like, oh God, this is, this is so glaring. I am like, it's like an ejector seat in like a spy movie, like a button. Like I have, I'm sitting in a chair and I've shot through the roof out of this book and I can like, it's, it's tough. Well, Mallory, let me ask you what, what about, um, uh, uh, grammar errors or misspellings? Does that bother you? No, no, not at all. Me neither actually. Some pe- and it's interesting because we do get a lot of listener feedback from folks who cannot stand typos and mm. they, it just knocks them out. For me, it doesn't bother me. One, because I'm an author and I know that these things just absolutely fucking happen. Um, but on the other hand, like it just doesn't, it, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't bother me. Mm. Does it bother you? Mm-mm, not really, but I'm sure it does bother some people. Uh, but so this happens. You're reading something. There's an error that is so glaring that it has knocked you out of the reading trance. Can you get back in when this happens, Bria? I usually can't. I usually can't get back in. I um like. I mean, it's just important for me to be able to buy the premise because I'm talking about like not a specific like. It feels to me like for I'm talking about like if the premise feels incorrect to me, um, uh, which is really funny coming from a lady who is like, I want to read about like talking dogs in space. But for some reason, I'm like, I buy that. (laughs) Um, But if it's like, I don't know, if it's a small thing, I can kind of like be on board for it. Yeah. But most of the time. Most of the time, this is not a problem for me because I'm reading books that create their own reality. So that most of the time, they're like, "This is the reality you're living in. This is the stakes. These are the stakes. This is this is the the like this is the talking dog." <laughs> By the way, I never <laughs> read talking dog books, but this is a good example. This is the didn't dog. I, it talks. Didn't I get you a talking a talking dog book when we went and did that event in San Diego? You did. It's still sitting on my shelf. I haven't read it yet. It's a physical book. It's like a it talking so space long. dog. It's yeah, totally. Gregory, Gregory Van Eekhout. <laughs> I remember sitting, seeing it because I know Greg and I was like, oh, he wrote a book about a talking dog in space. I have to buy that. For <laughs> <laughs> but that book, I'm like, okay, well, you're giving me, here's the reality points, you know? And so I think it's when, I think like, if you mess with the own, your own rules you've set up, I do not appreciate it. But if you st- stick to the rules, it's pr- I'll pretty much keep it keep reading it it's when like I feel like the rules have been broken or it's something I know so well that I'm like Ugh, that I just I can't keep reading it I'm, I'm not excited about it at that point what about you do you get back into a book or are you done it kind of hinges on a couple things one you know how good the writing is if it's like a wicked good book and I'm already really really invested in it and um I can usually just sort of go like oh look at this fucking thing and then go back to reading it um also it depends on how much the plot hinges on this particular thing um I read one book recently that took place in LA and there was a big error in regards to like traveling around the city Mm. um and it it made me laugh really hard and I was definitely taking out of my reading trance and I was like Jeremy look this character thinks that she can get from Venice to Las Feliz in this amount of time hilarious uh on a Saturday like I but um 
but it wasn't a major plot point and the book was really really good and I was able to get back into reading quickly um however there was another book I read recently and you tried to read it too you'll know the one I'm talking about we'll never reveal the name of it um that had to do with filmmaking and the author made what to I, I think to someone who has worked in film it, this was just it was such a huge mistake that basically made the rest of the book make no sense mm-hmm. it was one of those things where if this one particular fact was true all of the other facts about this one thing were null and void like it just completely threw everything out and it was so distracting to me because then later on like a, a chapter later the uh the author would say something about this one particular thing I'd be like that can't be true because of this other thing that you said it was and I it just completely threw me out and I could not get back into it. Wait, wait, um, did you finish that book? You didn't, right? Uh, I skimmed through some of it, but no, I didn't finish it. Yeah, I didn't finish it either. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But one of the differences was, though, that the second book wasn't great already, so I wasn't that enmeshed in the story. Um, so if you think that there's an error in a book that's so distracting, I think it might be a sign that you weren't super into the book anyways. Yeah, it's interesting. I think also because I'm looking for like escapist stuff. I'm not even looking to read stuff that really is about like what I do on a day-to-day basis for the most part, unless it's like a memoir or a history book or something. Eating so almonds. <laughs> a memoir by Bria Grant. I love eating almonds. Um, but I mean, I, <laughs> Give me that almond book. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think that that's part of it too, is that I'm not really picking up books that I'm going to be an expert in anyway. Like I want someone to create an entirely new world that I don't know the rules of because if I know the rules too well I'm like ugh, why am I reading this I could just go to work (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so Bria do you ever tell people about these things when you're talking about the book do you like give a little content warning oh yes I I feel like it's my responsibility as an expert uh to tell them about the book and then to say, maybe this won't bother you. Uh, but honestly, it's not a bigger problem. I'm telling you, I do not finish these kinds of books. If I am taken out of a book, the whole reason I'm there is to escape. If I'm taking out of it, I'm not going to keep reading it. So it's kind of like, I, I can't recommend the book anyway. You have to escape from the escapist books? Yeah, exactly. What about you? Do you, uh, do you tell people, do you give people like the caveat of like, just so you know, do you have a trigger warning for... Uh, <laughs> for, for for incorrect information. <laughs> I always feel weird about it because like, what if they like the book and they totally don't know the mistake and by pointing it out, I'm ruining it for them. Oh, I don't like, think you are though. I don't think you are. Cause I have, there's so many movies like this where people are like, that would never happen. And I'm like, don't care. Like, I don't care because I am such a, br- like, if I don't know about it, like who, what the fuck do I care? Like there's one book I'm thinking of where there was, this happened and a friend of ours loved this book. And when I, finished it I wanted to text this person and be like but this thing was wrong but I didn't want to ruin it for them Mm. so I just like I only ever mention stuff like that to other people who are reading the book and will know what I'm talking about like I texted you immediately about this other book I'm talking about and you you were like oh yeah I totally I I totally agree I stopped reading it you've said like three books that you're like in this book and it's like there's so many you gotta this is what book a b or c that you're wait (laughs) this is the book that the f- it made a filmmaking error. Ah, uh, yes. Both- okay, okay, okay. Yes. yes. Um, and there's another book um, that, the the book that I talked about that had a, a traveling around LA error and I recommended the book to Jeremy and he got to that part and he was like, yeah, this is silly, but he still like read it and enjoyed it. I just, it's interesting to think about weird mistakes that I might be missing in books because yeah. I don't know about like nursing or genetics or whatever. Like I don't, but I don't want to know. Like if there's, if an author makes a mistake about, 
I don't know, fucking math or some shit. Like, don't fucking tell me. I don't want to know. So I always feel weird about like, what if you're going to really like this book and me telling you this one thing that I'm particularly nerdy about, it's going to ruin it for you. It, it would not bother me. Like if I was reading a book and it had a lot of math in it and someone, were like, someone was like, just so you know, the math doesn't work out in that book. I'd be like, I don't give a shit. Like if I, <laughs> I don't care this, about math. <laughs> what? I'm not, I'm not here for a math lesson. I'm not in seventh grade. I'm here, I'm here to read this fucking, this goddamn book and it's entertaining me. Like I, but here's the thing. I also, as we all know, you can't, it's hard to spoil stuff for me. It's very hard. Like if I like something, I'm like, I like it and you can't spoil it for me. It's very, you're going to have to like really go out of your way. You can tell me the end. I'm still here for it. Yeah, that that's really funny. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe maybe because I am such a spoiler person. Although, I guess I wouldn't even want to know afterwards. Like, don't retroactively spoil things for me. Like, I don't hmm. want to think of. I don't want my like thinking about the book to be tainted by. Oh God, this like one thing is like totally not right and would have thrown everything off. You mm, know what I mean? Interesting. So that's why you feel like you don't want to tell people. Uh, if there no. is a mistake, you like you would not tell someone that unless it's unless, like me unless, and you're like, oh, we both know about filmmaking. So that would be a, a tough, a tough thing for yeah. you to swallow. Yeah. Yes. I would only tell somebody about it unless they share that particular like oeuvre of 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 knowledge. Mm-hmm. I would never tell someone who like had never made a like was did not work in film about this particular thing. Uh, because, again, the person that I'm taught the book that I'm referring to that you and I both tried to read uh, we, uh, we know some, book a from now on book a um so the person that we know that read it and loved it has never worked in film and yeah, yeah. absolutely loved this book sure, sure, sure. and sense. I don't want to ruin it for said person um well give me their I'm number very, give me their number because I'd like to call it them and ruin it <laughs> you have their number oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I will never reveal who this person is um but I'm very interested to see what the classers think. So send your thoughts on what knocks you out of a book to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we interview author Sylvain Nouvelle about his new book, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Jesse Thorne. On the next Bullseye, we've got the one and only Ted Danson. We'll talk about his new show, Mr. Mayor, about Cheers, and about the secret to success in comedy. I mean, I, I feel like one of your signature comedic moves at this point uh, in your career is gazing. Uh, you do a lot of interesting gazing. <laughs> I also love this. Gazing. I love that. And if I'm not, I'm going to start because that's great. That's Bullseye. Find it on MaximumFun.org and PR.org and wherever you get podcasts. author Sylvain Nouvelle, whose name I'm totally butchering, and I apologize. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great <laughs> to be here. Uh, what are you reading right now? I am reading. It's funny because I normally don't read much when I'm writing and I'm working on the next books in the, the series right now, but I read a bunch of books. I uh, finished The Oppenheimer Alternative by Robert J. Sawyer. It's uh world's best scientist band together to save the earth and that every character in that book is a famous scientist it's amazing 
Uh, I finished uh, The Future is Yours by Dan Frey. That comes out super soon. Uh, I think February 9th, the week after mine. <clears throat> it's uh, I think you should go in that one blind, but it's an epistolary sci-fi, something I know a little bit about. Uh, I read Django Wexler's uh, upcoming novella called Hard Reboot about giant robots beating the crap out of each other. Really fun. <laughs> uh, what else did I read? There's a sci-fi by David Yoon coming out later this year, maybe spring, uh, called Version Zero about a bunch of friends sticking down big tech. That's also pretty good. Yeah. I liked it a lot. So I've been lucky with books so far. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, well, can you tell us about your new book, A History of What Comes Next? Well, yeah. It's about, <laughs> well, the actual, the entire series is about these pairs of, of mothers and daughters, genetically identical, who've been around for a while. They've been messing with history for about 3,000 years, trying to take us to the stars before something really bad happens and we all die. Uh, and this book, A History of What Comes Next, follows the 99th generation of these badass women. Uh, the mother's called Sarah, the daughter's called Mia. And uh, they are, it takes place at the end of the Second World War, when they at the very beginning of the space race, well, they are pretty much trying to create a space race and uh, move us upwards faster than we were. It's full I, of history. I science. loved it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I loved it. It was so good. Uh, people should definitely check this out. And there's more coming in the series. Is that what you're working on right now? Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, every every book in the series follows a, a generation. So the daughter in the first book is going to be the mother in the second book. Uh, and by then we'll be uh, in the 70s and 80s. Awesome. Um, so this book involved so much research. It's so much so that you actually had an additional section in the back to talk about history and talk about all the research that you did. Did it take a long time to research and what all did that involve? Well, I, every book of mine involved like a, a, a truckload of, re, of research. I, uh, but for the other ones, like for the Themis files, I mostly researched things. Uh, I figured out very soon in, in my writing career that I don't know anything about anything. Uh, <laughs> but, but the Themis Files was mostly looking up stuff like uh, how do you mine iridium? Uh, what's a good low altitude route to take from Syria to Turkey? Uh, you know, how do squirrels hide their nuts? Things like that. So I'd read <laughs> science papers and, and, and weird things. Uh, actually, delving into history involved as much, if not more research, but for some reason, well, I know the reason, it's history. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot to find on the internet and in books, like the, the, especially the, the Second World War and the, the beginnings of the space race. There's been so much written about it. So it was actually, it was a lot of work, but it was easier in terms of actually finding was I, what I was looking for. Hmm. Yeah, I totally believe that. And you even had a you had a soundtrack. Even did you do research for the soundtrack, or did you already know those songs, or how did you pick that out? Oh hell no! That that's just about as much re research as the the history part. I listened to. Well, I knew some songs, but like half the book is in 1945. And right. if you look at the top hits for that year, I mean, a lot of them are not didn't age that well. Uh, so I listened to about, I don't know, 500 songs because the, the thing yeah. is not just to find good ones. They had to, they had to fit the, the chapters. I tried to write each chapter listening to the matching song. 
so that it would sort of make sense for you to listen to the song while you're reading the chapter. Uh, so yeah, there's tons of research involved in that one, but I discovered so many good songs though, from the thirties and forties and fifties. Uh, you can look forward to the, the playlist is, is available online. It's on Spotify and Apple music. Uh, and you should definitely look forward to the playlist for book two in the seventies. Cause that one uh. is a trip. Oh, I love, I love that. I loved having this playlist and I did exactly that. I listened to the songs while I was reading the chapters and it made it a really cool experience. It made it very different for me as a writing experience. Uh, mm -hmm. It was really fun. Very cool. So um, this episode is all about when you're reading and you read something that takes you out of a book or reading experience, like you're reading something and it doesn't make sense or the science or history isn't correct, uh, which we thought you would, you would have a lot to say about since you do so much research for your books. Um, does this ever happen to you when you're reading? Uh, and, and what do you do about it? Well, <clears throat> bad, bad, re bad science is, is never good. Uh, what the part when it, you know, I'm, I'm generous with, with the books. I don't ask all the science to be, to be perfect. What bugs me is when there was no need to make the bad science. Cause you could, mm -hmm. if there's a fantastic element or whatever, you can have your characters just being baffled by it and say, you know, how does that work? I don't know. Experts have no clue. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. You, you didn't have to come up with something that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, the, the thing that really will take me out of a book uh, is bad dialogue. Uh, it might have something to do with the fact that my books are, are all super dialogue heavy. Uh, but if the dialogue doesn't feel right to me, uh, it really sort of, it takes me out of it. Yeah, I totally understand that. Your books are very dialogue heavy. I feel like your books could easily translate into plays. They're so dialogue heavy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, and it, that's why, probably why the, the, the audiobooks for the Themis Files have done so well. Mm -hmm. uh, they've all been done with a full cast, so they're like a, like a radio play. And uh, <clears throat> I've been lucky, so lucky with audiobooks. The audiobook for History of What Comes Next is also a, a full cast. I didn't know that. That's so cool. It's wow. It's going to be amazing. It has a, like a ton of people voicing everyone. The, the, I, I, I'm also lucky that I get to sort of have my opinion about uh, who the actors should be. And uh, they got an amazing cast together. Plus, uh, there is a further reading section at the end of the book, and I'm the one reading it. Oh, really? That's super cool. That's yeah. very rad. Um, do you make that decision about whether or not it's read just by one um, actor or actor, or do you, or do you say like, is that your choice that you, you were like, I want it to be read like a, like a radio play or something? No, not at all. But no, no, they were just like, I think every book would be, <laughs> would be a pro <laughs> uh, totally I think it, it really depends on, on the people who hold the, hold the audio rights and what they want to do with it and how much they, they, they trust the project to make a good audio book. Because there are great books that are going to make an, a, like an okay audio book. Uh, and there are books that are going to sort of like lend themselves better to, to make a, a full cast production. So I think because my books are so heavy on dialogue, it, it probably influenced your decision a little bit. All I know is I'm really thrilled about it. No, I love it. That's awesome. Uh, people should definitely check that out. Um, so we love to ask people, what is your reader wheelhouse? That's like subjects, tropes, things that always get you to pick up a book when you see it. I don't know if I have one. I mean, I, I like cool things. So science will, will always work uh, if it's interesting 
science. Uh, what else? You know, well, giant robots. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know if that counts. Or, or giant that robots definitely counts. Yo, yes, definitely. Definitely that counts. It's very specific. We love a specific wheelhouse. <laughs> if not, sometimes like it's either an, an author I love, but if it's someone I, I don't know, but the premise is really clever and interesting, it, it'll, it will draw me to, to it, even if it's, a, if it's in a genre I don't normally, I don't normally read. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, so where can we find you online and where can people get your book? Uh, well, they can get the book everywhere, I think. Uh, <laughs> online, you can find me. Uh, I'm a Nouvelle on Twitter, Sylvain Nouvelle on Facebook and Instagram. You'll want to Google that to spell it right. Uh, <clears throat> I have a website called Nouvelle.net uh, that, has a, that I just revamped. I think it looks kind of cool. Great. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Now let's look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. We're going to be testing out two different things today because, again, we are almost coming up on a year of recording reading glasses remotely. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We... We have not recorded reading glasses in the same room since last March. Um, so we're still testing out separate things. Um, we are testing out a tablet stand and a tub tray. Um, so Bria, tell us about the tablet stand. Okay. This is from Roxanne. And thanks. So thank you, Roxanne. And I will say um, this tablet stand is more like a tablet arm. I w It's not a stand. <laughs> it is like you attach one part of the arm. It's like a... A do tablet call, grabber? Yeah, do you call it like a winch? What do you call it when you like can like screw something? A grabber? Yeah, but it's like, oh, well, I'll get to it. But anyway, there's a part that a grabs. A, like a vice. Yeah, a vice. That like grabs like a table. And then it has this little arm that you can like move around. And then you can put your tablet into it or your phone. Um, So in theory, and, and this is what I think Roxanne uses it for, you could put it put it up while you're doing other things and you could... I guess you could read a book while you're like, you could attach it and then you can not, like be hands free. And I don't know. So do you could be like knitting in an armchair yeah. with your tablet in front of your face. Wow. Yeah. Or I was going to say like, you could be driving. No. What's something you like? Eating yeah. a messy sandwich. Eating a messy sandwich. Sure. Yes. You could do all of those things. I think also like maybe, I think Roxanne said uh, she uses it for, um, uh, recipes, like she puts recipes on on her tablet, and then you can keep it open uh, and have it like in your kitchen. So that's what it is. It's like this little stand, basically. Uh, for it's it's either tablet size or phone size. It's not any bigger. I don't know what else you'd put in there. A computer. I don't know. So, this is pretty much all you need. Um, <laughs> I at first had so much trouble with the attachment part. I spent. I cannot tell you so long being like, this doesn't work. The attachment part doesn't work. And I got really angry and then I put it down and I was like, I'll just come back to this when I have to review it. So I got it back out because we were going to review it. Um, and I figured it out and I'm the dumb dumb. It's just like a screw thingy that I just was like trying to do incorrectly. Anyway, um, it, it works great. What I did with it, which is not has nothing to do with reading, is I put my phone in it. And I was making dinner and I watched The Office while I was making dinner. <laughs> and so, because normally I put my computer or, and I either like listen to a podcast or like, I love putting like 
some something that like I don't it doesn't need a lot of thought on like a TV or something or on my on my computer but I have to put it up and it takes up valuable counter space because I don't have a big kitchen so this was perfect because I put my little phone in it and then I could like watch it kind of like out of the corner of my eye or whatever um I think it would also work great if you were doing if you were doing a recipe I just haven't been doing recipes because um I don't know I'm tired of cooking um <laughs> But I think it's a really cute little stand. And if you ha- if you buy this and have trouble <laughs> with it, just mess with it a little while longer. It's not like, it's like counterintuitive. It's a vice, not a clip. And I kept thinking it was a clip. Does this make sense the way I'm describing this? Yes. I thought it was a clip yes. that I could like press on the end and it would open. And I was like, this doesn't work. It's like broken. But really, it's like a thing that you like screw down, like you're screwing like someone's head into like a little, into a, till you're squishing it gradually. <laughs> Uh, it's very interesting to me that that's the example that you can think of. Um, do you do a lot that's of head squishing? Vice. When you said vice, that's like what I think of. It's like something you like torture somebody with, <laughs> or like woodwork. Yeah, oh yeah, maybe I just don't do any woodwork. Anyway, <laughs> but you do do a lot of head squishing. <laughs> I think I read more about head squishing than woodwork. Like if I'm thinking about honestly, that is the perfect way to describe Bria's reading habits. (laughs) Like if someone was like, "Here's a book on woodwork," I'd be like, "Ugh," and then they're like, "Here's a book on head squishing," I'd be like, "Gimme." (laughs) This is why you're my friend. Oh, hold on, I have a question though. Could you do it the other way around? Like, could you put a sandwich in the grabber and read, and have the sandwich be in front of your face and like eat the sandwich (laughs) while you while you were reading? (laughs) Well, no, because the. That's such a funny visual. Um, Somebody please make me a sandwich. That's so stupid. Uh, No, I want this so badly because it's literally designed to like hold a phone, you know, in the way that it's like it's not like a pincher. It's like a little. I'll I'll put a I'll put it on our Instagram, but it's like a you know like it expands like it holds just something that's a rectangle Mm -hmm. shape. If you okay, here's the thing: if you had a rectangle shaped hard sandwich. And it's gonna be hard because the thing like kind of it's like a tough. You could put a bar of chocolate. Contraction. Oh yeah, you definitely could put a bar of chocolate. Bria, please test that out. Please put a bar of chocolate in it while you're and put it on the side of a chair and have it like next to your mouth so you can go in while you're reading. Yeah, I will. I will do this. I will do this. Look for this in the next on our Instagram. I'll put it on our Instagram. Um, I will say this is now living in my kitchen, though. I I really liked it because I was like, oh, I'll just put I can always have my phone on here and then I'll never lose my phone in the kitchen, which does happen. And like, (laughs) don't ask me how. So but yeah, I'm going to give this five out of five pages in spite of my first initial anger with it. Uh, Once I figured out how to use it, it was user error, which is me. Uh, once I figured it out, it was great. I love this thing. It's a great little tablet. Uh, if you're looking for, I think there's a lot of people, get back to us at Glassers because I bet there's a ton of people who are like, oh, here's what I would use it for. I do this with my hands while I'm reading or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think you could definitely like find more uses for it. Or like, you know, it would be cool. You could attach it to like your bedside if you want to like lay on your back and read with the book like above the tablet like above you. You know what I mean? Oh, that sounds nice. Because I, I like to do that sometimes and then my arms get really tired. <laughs> that sounds pretty nice yeah. though. Yeah, so I'm going to give this five out of five pages. I think it was great. Um, You tested out something different. You you tested out the tub tray that we were sent last year. I tested it yes. out with an e-reader and I loved it. I thought it was so cute. Um, but you tested it out on print books. How did that go? Uh, so before I rate it, I want to point out that I ran into a weird problem with it that I did not foresee. Uh, I, so I'm very nearsighted, um, p- 
pretty much the only thing I can do without my glasses is read as long as the book is within a foot of my face, which I call the book zone. Mm. It's, <laughs> I, <laughs> Reading in the book zone. <laughs> so normally when I read in the tub, I prop my arms up on the side and hold the book like really close to my face because obviously I'm not wearing any glasses. It's too steamy in there. I have to like, so I have the book really close to me. Um, so I got the tray all set up. I had it at the exact midway point of the tub and set my book on it and like lean back, like, ah, relax, I'm going to read. But then I realized the book was too far away for me to see it. Oh. Um, too blurry. <laughs> so I had to readjust and bring the tray as close to me as I could. Um, <laughs> so I was like all kind of squished up with it. That being said, I will say, so for what this tray is, five out of five pages. Um, I was worried it wouldn't fit in my tub because we have one of those like, you know, those like shitty sliding door tubs yeah, that yeah, are yeah. like in apartment complexes. Hate them. Um, but it did fit because uh, it has a little like it's adjustable and when I put it on the narrowest setting it still fit in my tub even though it has that like runner for like the shitty sliding doors that I hate so much um but it was nice to have a place to put a drink and not have to like hold my arms at a weird angle to like hold the book up and like balance it on my chest and like keep a little bit of chest skin dry for like a landing pad for my book um I think it's great for for print tub readers Uh, I had a little glass of wine um from our past sponsor bright sellers um it was awesome i really really like this uh so i i think it's safe to say that the tub tray is good for uh because i tested this out with both hardcovers and um uh a trade paperback and it worked great for both it was awesome i I really really like it um so five out of five pages for the for the tub tray i will we already linked to it but i'll put another link um to the one that we bought in the show notes and it's like wooden It, it it just looks very nice um and I really, really, really liked it. Um, so if you want us to test out some book tech, you can check out our wish list in the show notes. And if you have some things you want to recommend, send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and real quick, we do want to thank uh, some new mods on our Facebook group um, and just doing a little bit of changes when it comes to thanking the Facebook group, which is like over has over 3000 people in it, which is absolutely bonkers and amazing. And we're so grateful to our Facebook mods because uh, Bria is not on Facebook and I, I have not used Facebook um, in a while. I barely ever go on there. Uh, So we really, really appreciate the folks who do that. Uh, So the new mods are Rhiannon and Mari. So welcome and thank you so, so, so much. Um, So just uh, thank you to our, uh, our Facebook group moderators for making it an awesome place for people to, uh, to, talk about reading glasses and get book recommendations uh and also chrissy and rachel who moderate our goodreads page remember you can buy reading glasses tote bags and stickers and shirts in the maximum fun store there's a link in the show notes and if you like the show please rate and review us on itunes it's great for us it helps us reach more listeners it makes us look so so fancy and it is the easiest thing that you could do to help us out because it's free and takes you like less than a minute you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading cheap podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading, reading.